Hello, welcome to the Good Growth Podcast. On this special episode, we welcome back two former guests to the show, both retail experts, to discuss and analyse the state of play in retail, both online and on the high street, following two rather turbulent years for businesses. We're going to address how consumer behaviour has changed over that time, uh, as well as visiting the rise of sustainability in shopping, and a look ahead to what we can expect into 2022 and beyond. Uh, it's a lot to cover there. Um, a warm welcome, firstly, to the CEO of LK Bennett and Chairman at Good Growth, Darren Top, and also Morning. the Global Operations Director, also known as God, at Fatface, Mark Wright. How are you both? That is a brilliant acronym, that is, Mark. Did you come up with that one? Yeah, you know, I thought I was going to have to pay for it, but no, it was created uh, before I arrived, Darren. But I did feel uh, uh, I finally met the dizzy heights. Who'd have thought? Uh, Who'd have thought? You couldn't make it up, could you? That's brilliant. Well, good morning to you both. Good to see you. Yeah, good morning to you and to everybody else. Thank you. Great to have you on. Darren, you were the very first guest on the podcast. We recorded back in the summer of 2019. And I'm, I'm not Is that what sure. it was? It was that long ago. I'm not sure even the crystal ball could have predicted what we've seen unfold since then. No. Um, let's take the high street first. A lot has changed. As recently as over the sort of last six to 12 months, um, we've seen Debenhams, being bought out by Boohoo, Topshop. The Topshop portfolio was uh, acquired by ASOS. Interestingly, both chose not to buy out the respective stores. Are, are these high-profile acquisitions really now sort of forcing the hand of town and city centre high streets to change how they look? Well, listen, I think it's a really good question. And I think the challenge is, you know, for the high streets of the UK is ongoing and not likely to diminish in any way in the short term. And the reality is that um, for, for most of us, you know, we want to trade in the high street. You know, we believe we can, not only can we take money, but with the right deals, we can make money. More importantly, we can provide employment and we can make these high streets look much more attractive. I think there's two key criteria at play here. I think the reality is there's probably been over-proliferation of the high streets. We've got too many high streets and we've created fake ones, false ones, and therefore we're going to have to repurpose some but if we take the broad sector in total i think the reality is that with the right rent and the right rates we can get most of these to work you know i would open a load more stores tomorrow if i could get the right deals so this is not the only future is online because i don't believe that i don't believe that at all and even even today with all the push as a, as a consequence of omicron and covid-19 they still from a, a lot of businesses still the majority of sales are still in stores or if it is a majority online it's only just so i think there's i think there's an absolute future in the high street i think we've, we've got to have some help from the government on rates and to and i'm going to, i'm going to give you an example of a bit now so we've got we're about to open a store on new bond street and it's a relatively short term let it's 3 4 years but the rates are four or five times the rent well that's just not sustainable that that's just not a realistic proposition because i get the rent i'm paying the landlord but you know the rates are a tax imposed by the government and the reality is if we can get some sensible application of rates then i think it will give our high streets that added injection that it needs mark do you echo those sentiments and, and, have, and face those same similar challenges yeah i do i do completely i mean darren and i have grown up in, in similar retail experiences and both worked for organizations that are dominant in terms of high street shopping and and exactly as darren has said um, you know, for Fatface, still the majority of our business, majority of our profit comes from our store base. 
um, that's facing challenges, most of which are driven out of the uh, financial dynamics of, of trading in those locations. You know, it, 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 this gets media coverage, but there's very little action uh, been taken to address it. I, I think furthermore, as well, actually, you know, the infrastructure challenges right now, um, there is a lack of investment in city centres, town centres, and it is harder and harder, therefore, to support uh, businesses within those locations. Um, look, everybody understands the migration to home shopping. Everybody understands the growth of e-commerce and the convenience. But um, particularly in this country, uh, we've got densely populated uh, locations built around market towns, you know, and at the heart of that is shopping and communities. And I think, yes, we'll see some independence. Yes, we'll see some new investment, but there has to be some central action to make this viable for businesses. And, and the, other, the other thing uh, probably is just, you know, the increasing cost pressures rightly on labour, you know, in terms of um, improvements in national living wage and other things are fantastic and all for the right reasons, given the, the challenges of cost of living. Um, but all of that is putting further cost pressure on retailers. So rent, rent and rates need addressing. Well, Mark, we first spoke, we've actually first spoke 12 months ago um, and we reviewed what was a challenge in year for Fat Face, but also one that felt like it had plenty of optimism ahead. Um, Fatface recently announced an increase in online sales of around 62% against 2019. You've had a good Christmas period as well. Clearly, the avenue for rapid growth is online. But of course, as you say, your, your visual presence is on the high street and still the majority of your trades on the high street. How difficult is it to manage that balance and focus time and resources as a business? Um, and I suppose the second part to my question is, has any of this been made easier by up until I suppose those last couple of weeks in December, a return of customers to the high street over the last six to 12 months? Yeah, it's a great question, Dan. And I think it's still a bit too early to call because we've had, uh, you know, what feels like two years. Oh, it feels like two lost years, frankly, of just constant disruption. And I think I spoke to you last time, but even before Christmas, I, I, you know, I took a call in the centre of Cheltenham one morning, going through the COVID impact we had that day and some decisions we're going to have to make around store closures and we have different government guidance in scotland different in ireland different uh isolation periods uh you know and, and then how are we going to make choices actually that morning around which of our stations we were going to keep open because of a, a an immediate geographic problem with with resource so the difficulty is what it feels to me is we've sort of reacted we and i think we as a business have reacted really well but bounced around over the last couple of years because of constant disruption. So placement of stock has been affected, um, customer expectation has been affected. And, and therefore, the role that our high street stores play, I think is still super important. And, and I think Darren will be in, in the same place. But we've recently done some research with PwC. And for our business, that's been reaffirmed by just saying how important um, our stores are in helping our customers' opinion of our brand. And that actually starts with our product and how we display it and sell it and what it looks like, what it feels like. And there's a real tangibility to fat face. We pride ourselves on soft quality fabrics. So, so both visual and uh, other sensory pieces are really important for our stores. Um, and therefore, those interactions remain super critical in terms of future performance. That said, you know, the pandemic has sped up 
a trend that we were already seeing. Uh, from a fact-based point of view, we were underdeveloped in that area. Therefore, we've invested in people and capability. We've invested in tech. We've improved the partners that we're working with, all of which, as, as you pointed out, accelerated and we had, we had a good Christmas. But we had a great Christmas online in terms of growth. We actually had a really good summer um, which was better than our expectations because customers were that keen to get back out mm. into physical sure. shopping. And, and, and I think that's the that's the sort of, we haven't experienced that yet because of what happened with Omicron before Christmas again, it all subsided. So hopefully as Plan B gets released and you know in the coming weeks, people booking holidays and wanting to be outdoors again, I'm, I am really optimistic about what that means in the, yeah. in the next 12 months and beyond. And I'd echo that, Dan. So at LK Bennett, we saw... You know, our store performance throughout the summer and autumn, we were, we were very, very pleased with. And it was significantly ahead of, ahead of where we thought it would be. Um, and that didn't diminish the digital business. That continued to perform strongly. Um, but what it just illustrated for me and I think for lots of us is that, you know, if we can get the financial dynamics right, there's a, you know, we'd all have a big high street presence. That's the reality of it. And if you can get the right rent and the right rates, because frankly, they're your two biggest costs. We get the people. And also we want to pay our people more money. This is, you know, we're not um, upset about the fact that the government is increasing the minimum wage. We think that's great. We want that. We want to be paying people a proper living wage. And we're keen to do that. The constraints on us in lots of ways are the fact that, you know, our rate bill is nearly as big as our salary bill, you know. So we'd like to be paying the government a bit less and we pay our teams a bit more. Um, so I think I think we all felt very confident um, about the future when we saw the summer and autumn. And then as Mark rightly says, sadly, it was sort of somewhat had the carpet pulled from underneath us as a consequence of Omicron. And, and we've not unwound from that yet, that's for sure. And it'll be very interesting to see how long it takes to unwind from that. Um mm. But it's certainly going to be a few weeks. And this, you know, different parts of the UK all moving in different times. I mean, I'm a predominantly London business, so it makes it a little easier. But, you know, if you're a multi-operator like Fatface and Marks and Spencer or, you know, it must be a complete nightmare to try and operate. You know, you've got probably got staff working in one country, you know, living in one country and working in another. I, mean, I don't even, you know, I don't, you know, just the logistical <laughs> challenges of that. And it just raised that issue didn't it that devolution's got there's lots of benefits to it but one of them is not helping business to operate efficiently and effectively no that's that's clearly the main constraint here isn't it is the ability for businesses to operate in in the most efficient manner Uh, as you say the encouraging sign there is customers have shown willingness to come back to the high street and uh, so hopefully that does come again soon i think primark said when the first week they opened they had their biggest ever week yeah I mean, it's unbelievable. You know, that is unbelievable, isn't it? You know, we yeah. go from zero to your biggest ever week. Now, I know they haven't got an online presence currently, so that affects it a little bit. But, you know, that that's a lot of volume, I don't, you know, for Primark. That's a lot of people going in buying a lot of stuff, for sure. I just want to talk a little bit about the, we talked about the sort of the impact on businesses there. I want to talk a little bit about how consumer and customer behavior has changed recently. Darren, just going back to our, our first podcast in 2019, yeah. you outlined um, the, the importance for the need for the high street to become more dynamic in what it offers. And we've talked about, uh, or you should have mentioned there, the, the restrictions business have in terms of the rates that they're paying on, on real estate. Um, 
but the importance of the high streets become more dynamic if it is going to be bringing back footfall. Uh, I, have you seen any signs of that moving in that direction yet? I think the reality is, is COVID-19 sort of scuppered a lot of the work around that. But I think the reality is, Dan, when Mark and I worked at Marks and Spencer and it made a billion pound a year profit, every high street in the country looked the same. They all had an MS, they all had a Boots, they all had a VHS, they all had a CNA. And you know what? If, over time, the British public rejected that. They, they want our high streets to be much more interesting, dynamic, and different. And what does that look like? Well, I think that looks like a lot, lots of different things. So, um, you know, we've seen the rise of brands like Fat Face and lifestyle brands like that and sea salt and various others which have just made it a bit more interesting they want to see independence they want to see places to eat they want to see places to have a coffee is you know why wouldn't people want to live in these high streets they're in some of the best locations you know in the world so it's only going to happen i think through a combination of retailers hospitality local government and central government as I said to you earlier, you know, if the financial dynamics were right, I'd double my store portfolio tomorrow and invest in, you know, all those shops that would be pumping money into those high streets. But I can't do that while, you know, a large chunk of them are practically look like they've closed down. You know, nobody, nobody wants to go and visit a high street where there's only three shops and, you know, two of them are charity shops. And that's not to say that charity shops haven't got a place in, in our new in the new world because i think they absolutely have but it's going to require some proper joined up big thinking and if i'm honest it's not on anybody's agenda at the moment or it's not high enough on anybody's agenda yeah i agree darren i mean i think i think that the number of vacant units is still the bit that you know shocks me be that in shopping developed shopping centers that aren't that old yeah. or you go to yeah. city centers like you know even places like norwich that are far enough away that they have their own sort of ecosystem and, and, and infrastructure, but actually the amount of vacant units there. So uh, again, again, I think, unfortunately, the pandemic has hit that hard because, you know, hospital poor, poor hospitality, because yeah. um, the, the, probably the area yeah, where you see, yeah, you see more independence, you see more creativity and innovation. And, and I, I, I personally will try and make a point of going to the independent coffee shop rather yeah. than the chain when I'm somewhere. And and they, you know, every part of hospitality has been hit hardest. Retail's been hit really hard as well. And, and those are the lifeblood of those conurbations. Um, and there isn't an odd, the residential thing I think happens, but it happens converting excess space rather than, you know, you're not going to put flats in not the, the answer. No, no, it's, it's sort of dealing with part of the problem. But for me, it's... Uh, that you know it's it's the lifeblood of this country and we, we're not doing enough from a central perspective because of other distractions right now yeah yeah and we get that don't we um, we're not sort of blind to that damn i mean we get that you know there's competing resources here both time and money yeah no of course yeah perhaps uh mark one more sort of question on that i think last year we talked a lot about fat face perhaps it's in the right market space in terms of the huge demand for sort of loungewear um and and quite odd sales of socks uh, i remember um any changes in sort of the customer behavior trends you're seeing with it within your business i assume you know there's a, there's naturally going to be perhaps a move away from those kind of clothes but obviously fat face is quite broad in the, the range of, sort of casual clothing that it offers yeah well i mean so i mean at the heart of the business and what we stand for we are, we are a british-based lifestyle family brand you know and we sell casual apparel 
and the majority of that is women's wear also men's and we sell kits although we've seen um throughout the last two years an acceleration of kids wear to online so although we stock it in our shops most of our business comes from online and indeed our partnership with next which is really successful for us so i think the the, the additions to that so the the casual strength has always been there and we were able to benefit from that in the, in the sort of joggers and sweats uh, phase one of, of lockdown. I think playing that all the way through, we've developed in a couple of other categories. So we launched a babywear range in partnership with Next that was very successful um, at the start of the autumn. So that, that um, in terms of adding to our current portfolio and the other areas is pets, actually, which is something we've always done. Um, and we've had increased interest and demand, and we sell through wholesale accounts, um, including dog, dog beds, accessories, coats, and what have you. And that's an area that we're investing in um, going forward. Because actually, starting with the fact there is clear demand from existing customers. You know, we've mm. got plenty of outdoors people, but you know, we've had a family dog for six years. I'm amazed how many people I know have uh, got extra pets given the amount of time they're spending at home. So, so those two we've definitely seen. I think encouragingly through christmas because there was more certainty about um christmas planning and family gatherings certainly shift back into more formal and dressing up products i think that confidence whereas people just turn their backs on it because there was no chance of it this christmas slightly impacted by omicron but definitely signs of of, of recovery there which is fantastic and, and i think i think um you know, I, I know we're going to come on and talk about sustainability, but the, the interesting bit now, I think, is as the squeeze really hits all of our pockets with utilities and, you know, national insurance and everything that's going to come through this next year, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how people choose to spend, you know, and, and, and I expect leisure and, and holidays to, <laughs> holiday companies to have a pretty good year as everybody's desperate to have that well-deserved sure. You know, so that's going to be interesting whether they're buying gear from us to take on holiday or how they're adjusting their spend patterns, I think. And that concludes part one of my chat with Darren and Mark. A real insight into the challenges businesses face in having a presence on the high street, but also encouraging signs of shoppers showing a desire to get back on the high street themselves. In part two, we talk about sustainability and shopping amongst the growing consumer demand to see fashion brands operating in an environmentally friendly way. And Darren and Mark give us their look ahead for 2022 and beyond. Part two will be released by the 11th of February on our usual platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on our website, goodgrowth.co.uk. Thank you for listening.